Hey guys, welcome to a Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm Carly Robison. I'm a wife, a mother, and a person who's been suffering with severe health challenges for over 10 years. Through that time, I've had successes and failures while trying to maintain a positive attitude. Now I want to share what I've learned with you, hoping to make your hard times a little easier. This podcast is to help those of us facing times of darkness and trial find ways to let the light in. Hey guys, thanks for listening to my A Light in the Darkness podcast. I'm excited that my friend Tina Kirkman is here with us today. Welcome, Tina. Hello. So I just want to introduce you a little bit. Tina grew up in West Jordan, Utah. She's the second of five children. She looks back on her childhood fondly and says she had the best childhood because she always had a sibling or a cousin to play with. Tina and her husband met while working for Franklin Covey, shipping out day planners. I had a few of those. Oh yeah. <laughs> Together they had three boys. They have Colby, who's 17, Tyler, who's 15, and Carson, who's 13. They all play football, and Tina's husband, KC, is a coach. Right now, their lives revolve around football season, and she wouldn't have it in any other way. As we all do, Tina's had some pretty big challenges throughout her life, but through them, she's learned to focus on the positive and keep going no matter what. I'm so happy to be able to call Tina my friend, and I'm so grateful that she was willing to come on here and share her story with us. So first of all, um, I think I'd like to start your story. I know that your husband went on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Where did he go again? Um, he went to London, England. Very cool. That's amazing. I really, I wanted to go on study abroad there, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so after his mission, so you guys had dated a little bit you know, met at Franklin Covey, dated a little bit, but I would like to kind of pick up your story after his mission. So do you want to tell me about that? Yeah. So, um, we actually did it for a full year before his mission oh, wow. and then, um, where we became, you know, very close, obviously and in, in love. And, <laughs> and then after, um, after his mission it only took us, so he got home on my birthday in August and we were married by December. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it didn't take long for us mm -hmm. to realize that we were going to be together forever. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so then after that, um, me and Casey were both in college, just kind of pulled along, doing our thing. Casey wanted to go into the military, and um, he was in the ROTC at the U. And then um, September 11th happened. And actually, our lives changed quite drastically. Um, Casey wanted to be up, get up and fight immediately and not wait until he got his degree. So he actually went um, and we, well, he didn't just do it on his own, but we um, had a long, hard discussion and a lot of praying. And we decided for him to um, enlist in the Air Force and the Air Force Reserves, to be exact. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, Long story short, um, for training, he ended up, after basic, he ended up in, oh, actually, one little note. So we had been married for almost three years um, by the time, or two, two and a half years before he left to go to the Air Force. And uh, a week after he left to go to basic, 
I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, total surprise. Anyway, yeah. so um, yeah, that changed things. So after he did basic, he ended up doing his training in Florida, in um, near Pensacola, at Fort Walton Beach. And we moved there, and um, I was planning on having my um, baby there, our baby there, and having this idyllic life. But mm -hmm. then um, things changed, and um, he had ended up needing to go to a training in Texas, and I couldn't come with him. Mm. And so that left um, me <laughs> with our two dogs alone in Florida, and I had to pack up everything myself. Like, and oh, I can't wow. remember how pregnant I was then. Let's see. <laughs> anyway, it was a, it was the day after Thanksgiving, and um, I had to pack up our our little house and our two boxers that we had at the time McKenna and Kirby and I drove across the country alone oh pregnant <laughs> and I won't tell you how many speeding tickets I got <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he's making me do this <laughs> exactly <laughs> that what was going oh, through your head <laughs> exactly <laughs> my daughter her husband is in the National Guard and he just finished basic and she she kind of had a, sometimes she's so supportive and I'm so grateful for those willing to serve our country and fight for us. But yeah, she definitely had a few of those moments herself. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, um, he, he's actually in the national guard now, but he was in the air force. Now he's in the national yeah. guard. So that's cool. Um, but anyway, so we, um, we had, um, so we were separated and it was like, I'm like, we were separated for two years on his mission. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. we know how to do this. So we just kind of went back into that mold of what we did and, um, and communicating and things. And, um, and so I had Colby in February, um, and I was with my mother-in-law my mom and my sister were all in the room and Casey was on the phone. <laughs> so it was kind of sad that he oh. couldn't be there for his first baby yeah. to be born, but, um, he was there for the other two, so that's good. But um, so yeah, so that's how our lives kind of got started with kids. So while um, Casey was gone in Texas on his training, with his training, um, so I was before my my first birth was not the best because the months two months before that, um, my dumb kidneys decided to pop out stones. And so I had kidney stones with pregnancy, which was so uncomfortable. It was like the worst pain ever. And so um, because of the pain, it caused me to have contractions. Mm. And so we kind of unexpectedly, I had Colby one, um, one early one morning. And, um, and so before then, I was receiving um, pain medication for, you know, those kidney stones because they were mm. awful. But that's the, that's the hard thing about pain medicine is I don't think anybody chooses to take it at a hard time, but I kind of had to take it at a hard time. And unfortunately it caused me to have a, it was a bad combination. It was, yeah. I felt so better. alone. <laughs> yeah. I felt better. I felt so alone without Casey and so yeah. kind of bitter actually. Mm -hmm. And then when I took the pain medicine, it was like, I didn't have any cares at all you know? Um, yeah. And so those kind of two things coincided. I mean, I've taken pain medicine before in my life before then for other things, but it never worked like that basically. Yeah. And so, um, so after Colby was born and even 
for about a year. So a year after Colby was born, even into the second year. And so when I had my second um, little boy, Tyler, he's so cute and <laughs> such a cute baby. And anyway, well, I, I was hiding an addiction that whole time from Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I kept getting kidney stones. And so I would use those as an excuse to get medicine and things like that. And I really had a hard time with motherhood at first because I, I, I don't know, it was just really hard for me. And unfortunately I I had that, had those stupid (laughs) pain pills. Yeah. Um, anyway, so like you said, you know, you were, I mean, you were kind of doing it on your own he wasn't you know he wasn't even there for the birth and I'm sure just as a new mom and as, as, as a young person that's all so overwhelming so I think that anybody could understand that um you know when you're feeling an escape from that sometimes that's what you turn to and I think it's very I mean, understandable yeah it was almost like um I was just trying to survive just trying mm-hmm. to survive and it was like I was desperate to do anything to survive and uh, and not be sad and not be low and everything in those, in those pain medicine made me feel better, you know? Yeah. And so so the first couple of years were um, rough, needless to say. I mean, I had to be a working mom. So my awesome mom and my mother-in-law attended Colby and, and eventually Tyler while I had to work full time. And um and that was hard too to be a working mom and then also have an addiction. It was not not a good combination. And so finally, um, I had stopped working and I stayed home with the kids, and that's when things got worse. Um, I had more time to think about things. And um I hope people won't completely berate me for this, but I was actually um so everything came to a head when I became pregnant with Carson. Mm-hmm. which was actually 18 months. I had him 18 months after I had Tyler. So oh, wow. he was a surprise baby. Yeah. So it, things were very condensed, I guess you could say. And so life was very intense. Um, anyway, so finally, I can't even, I'm sorry with, with my things that I've been through, I don't remember a lot of what yeah. happened back then. That's but okay. anyway, um, but basically I went to, I went to rehab. So how long before that would you say that you had been taking the pain pills? Probably about two years, two and a half years. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't think anyone knew about it for the first year. And then the second year people like knew and then were talking to Casey privately about it and things like that. And then, so it took, I mean, and, and and it was in varying stages of, of, um, dependency. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna need you to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, so um, so I went to rehab when I was pregnant with Carson, and I I detoxed at LDS Hospital, and met an amazing an amazing psychiatrist. Um, and his name was Michael Kirkston. Anyway, he was um, my hero, and he helped me. And he helped me. Um, he helped me realize, and with he diagnosed me as being bipolar and wow. wow, that diagnosis was huge because that helped me understand why I felt things and how, what things to look for as warning signs. Of uh-huh. what in certain ways. So anyway, so 
overall, I mean, now that I look back on it, it was the most, my rehab stint, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was the most spiritual healing time of my life. Um, well, to that point. Um, yeah. yeah. So I just remember, um, reading over and over. Remember in seminary scripture mastery? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I remember going through, cause those are the only scriptures I had memorized when I was in, um, the hospital and they, and I could have only books that were either spiritual in nature or educational. And so I had my book of Mormon and I had the biography of Gordon B. Hinckley, which is one of the prophets of our church. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, those two books, they basically put me back together. Um, they made me feel like I could handle life on its terms and not on my terms, basically. Yeah. And I learned, um, I think the most important thing that I learned was that I had a heavenly father and a savior who loved me so much. I mean, so much that I couldn't even comprehend it. And that didn't necessarily um, translate to me thinking that I was the most wonderful person in the world. I was really hard on myself, obviously, but it was so comforting to know that I had a, there was a, as they say in alcohol anonymous, there was a, there was a higher power that was there and that there was a plan for this life and there was a plan for life after this. And that was beautiful to me. Yeah. Earlier when we were talking, you said um, that this experience taught you to focus on the positive side of life. And you said that it taught you to keep going and to keep living no matter what the circumstances might be. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And I think that, like I said, any, any trial that we go through, um, has that ability to, change us. Um, That's one of my mantras on this podcast is to use our trials in life to help us to become better instead of bitter. And I think this first example um, is a wonderful illustration of seeing how you could be really for you at rock bottom and find that light there. I think that's beautiful. And I think it's beautiful that you were able to learn those things. That was, you put that beautifully. Yeah, you put that way better than I could. Um, and what was so neat about it is, you know, I um, you're not when you end rehab, you're not healed by any means, yeah. and you're not. Um, and to be honest, um, staying sober was at first it was easy for me. It was very easy for me. But then bigger challenges came and things. And so, I mean. Unfortunately, I can't say that I've been sober ever since my first rehab, but I can say that since my, since my first, um, first experience with, um, going through that and being free of it. Yeah. You have to take the only way that I could come out of that hole was to know, to take away something good from it because I couldn't just come out of that and say, okay, that was that. And now I got to move on. I had to make, I had to say that there was something that good that came from it. Otherwise all that time living was not worth it to me. I think that's amazing. That's something that not everybody does. Not everybody can look at 
such a difficult time in their lives and be like, okay, you know, I need to keep moving forward. So in order to do that, I'm going to be able to look for the good things in it. And I think that's a powerful strategy of how to get through a trial. Yeah. I'm, thank you. I, I just, like I told you when we were talking before, this is like the first time I've had to verbalize a lot of these things. And mm -hmm. so for you to say that, that, that makes me feel it. So thank you. <laughs> So in the fall of 2011, you started having more pain kind of in your back and you were thinking it was another kidney stone. <laughs> yeah. I remember I, um, I had been sober for years and years and years and I'm like, Oh no, another kidney stone. Mm -hmm. It was like, and I hadn't had any kidney stones for years and years and years. And so I thought, Oh, here we go again. And so I went to my good old urologist and he said, well, let's get a CT scan. Let's see how big it is, you know, how big the stone is. And um, he, he called me. And when the doctor calls you <laughs> after hours, not always good. that's yeah. not a good sign. Um, but he told me that he goes, well, um, Tina, you don't have a kidney stone, but you do have a big mass in the middle of your spine. And he said, you're going to need to get that biopsied and you're going to need to find out what that is. And I was just, I was just in shock. And, mm -hmm. and it was crazy because this, the tumor was in my spine and it had grown so slowly that it had fractured my vertebrae into 10 pieces. And I didn't even know it because I was, it was just grew so slowly. So anyway, so I'm like, wow. I, and so I, I just remember that first part of it being such a blur like Casey and I were just like okay recommend an oncologist to us yeah and my urologist he was awesome I mean he helped us really get launched into the right direction but he found I found the most amazing oncologist who were still Instagram friends friends to this day mm. he's like the best um his name is Scott Samuelson if anyone wants to know <laughs> anyway and um he he basically told me that um, I had a cancer, cancerous tumor in my spine, and it was the cancer type was called adenoid cystic carcinoma. So basically, it had started in my adenoids, but we couldn't ever find any primary of where that had started. But anyway, it's, so it's called ACC for the for the people that know it well, and um, it's a really rare cancer, and so we had a an uphill battle like um ahead of us wow so where did you go from there so you got the diagnosis that it was cancer and then did you have to have surgery or anything yeah so i i first they tried radiation to shrink the tumor before um they did surgery and i mm -hmm. had a month of that and it didn't it didn't do anything unfortunately um but then so that ended so then after that i um had a, a 14 hour surgery to remove um, the, the tumor and the vertebrae because it was a tricky surgery and I had the best surgeon he and he retired actually just right after <laughs> he did my surgery so I don't know if that was it for him I've done that was it but um, it was yeah it was a tricky surgery and and unfortunately um, it was going to leave me with a life of pain because in place of the vertebrae that had shattered they put a cadaver bone mm -hmm. and then they put rods and screws all along that middle L2 vertebrae area and 
kind of blocked all in. So that was going to be my life moving forward, unfortunately. So, um, and so we had that surgery. I subsequently healed from that. And then after that, um, well, not really healed completely, but then they started chemo. Okay. And um, I did, I I told you how many rounds I did, but I can't even remember now. But um, it said you did chemotherapy every two weeks for three months. Yes, exactly. So, and so I lost my hair and did all that fun stuff. And, yeah. and they weren't giving me chemo that um, necessarily would, that they knew would kill my cancer. They were just trying every kind possible and just throwing it at me. Um, wow. My doctor said, my oncologist said, um, we're going to bring you as close to death as we can and then bring you back. And that's exactly oh what they did. <laughs> that's exactly oh. what they did. It was awful i mean i have like serious anxiety about talk or about going back to that place because it was awful yeah i bet it was so talk to me a little bit i can't imagine how difficult it must be to be feeling the types of pain that you were feeling from surgery the types of pain that you're feeling from um chemo and the cancer and already have had an addiction to pain pills. Was this a really difficult time for you to be able to, um, do you steer clear of them? How, how do you yeah, um, work that into it? So I, I haven't abused, um, I haven't abused a pain medicine ever since okay. I was in rehab. And so, but because of that, and because of the stigma that, cause I was honest about my addiction, yeah. And so they knew that I had, had had a prior addiction to pain medicine. And so unfortunately back then they didn't know much about pain control and they thought that that was, so the, the goal was to give me as, as little as possible. Yeah. But the problem was my pain tolerance was so high. Mm-hmm. Pain medicine tolerance was so high that, and so to be honest, um, my blessed heavenly father and my savior were the only thing that got me through um, my hospital stay when I, they weren't giving me any hardly any pain medicine after my surgery, and then um, and then afterwards it was constant. I mean, constant praying yeah. that I could make it through the day, that I could make it through the night, that I could just get through this and each pro because this had to heal in stages and. Each stage, it was just difficult. So I can't even um, imagine having having to face that without, um, you know, those those medicines are there to to help us and to not be able to have access to that. I'm sure it was really really difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had access to some. It just wasn't enough, yeah. you know. So I mean that that I was grateful for that for yeah. sure. So you were able to be cancer free after this time, correct? Yeah. Um, they, they were like, okay, we think we've obliterated it mm-hmm. off the face of the earth. I'm like, you better <laughs> after all that I went through. But, um, so I was able to ring the bell and be cancer free. Um, yeah. That's so that amazing. was good. And then what happened after that? So your husband says, okay, you're doing good. (laughs) (laughs) My poor husband, he's had to take care of me through so many situations and he's just been the best. But, um, he finally, I'm like, Hey, you need to go have an adventure. You know, I know you're dying to go be deployed. You see, he was deployed once to Iraq. Um, right Right during my addiction Uh yeah i forgot to say that but yeah he was deployed deployed to iraq wow and then um 
and then he was so this time this is in 2014 he was deployed to Afghanistan okay and I said go have an adventure and so he did and me and the boys had an adventure at home that's for sure <laughs> um and we I mean I was just so happy I remember that time just being happy that Casey was finally able to do something for himself and not have to be burned by me yeah. and um being happy during that time and then I I was getting scans done every three months mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that everything was okay and so while Casey was gone I had a scan and just thinking it was going to be normal like the others um I just didn't even think to worry about it after I got it done well then once again doctors calling after hours is not good no. <laughs> um my oncologist called me and said Tina and he he was he's the most compassionate person but um he started crying oh. and he said Tina I'm so sorry but um your lungs are covered in I mean just innumerable tumors all over your lungs and at this point they were just you know little dots all over my lungs you know mm -hmm. um they weren't I wasn't having any shortness of breath or anything at that point I mean it was just I was fine you know but my future was going to be bad is basically what he was saying mm -hmm. so um so anyway so I let Casey know and he was just like man <laughs> the minute I go go have fun I it, I'm ruined it's ruined by this news and he he felt strongly about coming home quickly because he said I want to spend as much time with you as I can and so because of the the number of tumors, um, they were feeling like there wasn't much that they could do. Um, yeah, at that point there was no chemo known. There was no anything. Known. Okay. And so, um, and he, and so I was, I just, I lived with my diagnosis for about, um, probably a year and a half mm -hmm. and then finally my oncologist said okay unfortunately all what we need to do for you is outside of my pay grade <laughs> so he sent me up to um, Huntsman Hospital Huntsman Cancer Hospital and he referred me to one of his friends um, his name was Sunil Sharma and he was a, a magnificent doctor and he said we need to do basically experiments on you to mm -hmm. see what will work yeah and so that included getting on drug trials mm -hmm. so i um with so i was a huntsman for three years see let's see 16, 16, yeah um three three and a half years and um i know it doesn't sound like very much to the regular person but we tried eight different drugs and that sounds like a lot to me. <laughs> okay, good. I was worried that that wouldn't sound very like, no, oh, what do you do? You know? I think it sounds like with, with all of your background and everything, I think, you know, and, and knowing, I'm sure with every of the eight separate trial drugs, there are side effects and different things that are ways that it's making you feel. Um, so eight sounds like plenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um for those three and a half years it was in and out of the hospital it was always sick it was um you know 
taking medicines that made me gain tons of weight and then taking medicines that made me lose weight. And I mean, it was just, it was awful. And let me just quickly say um, that, not quickly, I mean that, but during that time, um, I'm sorry to keep being all spiritual, but I hope that's I, the point. That of it is. Podcast. I would love for you to share anything you feel compelled to share. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but um, during that time, um, Heavenly Father sent me so many angels, probably on that side, on their, on the other side and this side. Um, but I had, my family was incredible. Um, well, I guess all of them would be considered family. I, I mean, in terms of friends and everything that came up, I mean, they became family through this process yeah. and they were all family. Yeah, for sure. And, um, but friends came up and visited and then they were taking care of the boys back home and Casey and they were bringing meals and they were during this time. I mean, this time was just, I mean, as hard as it was on me physically, it was spiritually a a great time for our family. Um, Mm -hmm. we were blessed so much and we continue to be blessed so much, but, um, yeah, it was hard on me mentally, um, and mentally in that, um, it was, it was like, it was like another endurance test. Mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of like those nights I spent in the hospital in pain. Um, I was praying constantly for help and for guidance and for, because sometimes we had to make a lot, we had to make all these decisions all the time about whether to do this or that or this. And I mean, we couldn't fast and pray for about every single one of them. (laughs) We had to be quick, you know? And so I'm grateful that we had that, we had guidance. And I know that it's from my parents, um, especially they were always praying and, um, and I know my in-laws as well. I shouldn't <laughs> exclude them. And my both sets of my parents, I know we're constantly praying and, and putting my name on the temple roll and things like that. So yeah. it was pretty amazing. So throughout that time you tried, um, I just want to kind of reiterate, it's definitely, these are all things that haven't been tried on people. You're being a Guinea pig and, Um, because there was no cure for the cancer that you have. And it was so far in so many places that there just was nothing else that they could do. And so you tried for three and a half years, drug after drug after drug, trying to find one that either, you know, stopped the growth of your cancer or at least made you feel better. And within those eight drugs that you tried, they all made you feel worse, correct? Correct. There's one exception. And <laughs> this is um, something that's a conundrum, but um, I was there right as they got the first immunotherapy drugs that they could give to people, give to patients mm-hmm. um, at Huntsman. And I was able to get on one of those trials and I tried one. And it was the first drug that actually made my cancer slow down, like growth-wise. Wow. It it actually made it stop. But <laughs> I couldn't take it because I couldn't take the drug anymore because it caused my liver to fail. So mm-hmm. it was either die by liver failure or 
keep going with the cancer drug and to try and live longer. Anyway, so it was a a good thing and a bad thing. But anyways, there's one drug that works. So in April 2019, you posted something that I read on Facebook. Is it okay if I read it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you definitely kind of kept your friends and family updated on Facebook as far as how you were feeling. Um, posted a lot of different things um, with your family, but um, this one I just remember sticking out in my mind and I remember thinking how brave and strong I think you are. So here's, here's what you said. Cancer update. Hello to all my wonderful friends and family. A lot has been going on and I wanted to share it with you. Last time we talked, I had a lot of hope about a new treatment. Well, long story short, it was an epic disaster. I've never been so sick in my life. So ultimately my body couldn't handle it and I had to stop taking it. I had a break from treatment for a while, which was wonderful. Then in early March, my doctor and I decided to try another treatment. Within the first couple of days, my mouth was covered in sores and I was miserable. I kept thinking about how wonderful my break from treatment was. I was able to be a full-time mom and wife and I was so happy. After a lot of prayer and discussion with Casey and the boys, I've decided to stop treatment permanently. After all the treatments I've had, none of them have had any impact on the cancer in my lungs. I know what my fate will be, and I'm at peace with it. I'm just so excited to spend my time making memories with the boys and Casey and all of you. Thank you to all of you for your unfailing support and prayers. A big thanks to my amazing family. I also want to thank my incredible husband, Casey. He supported me through thick and thin. I love him so much, and I'm so happy he's by my side. I can't imagine how difficult a choice like that is for somebody to make. Um, And I don't say this lightly when... I believe that, that that is where our faith comes in. I believe that if we stay close to the spirit and we stay close to heavenly father and we pray, he can let us know what is right for us and what is right for you might not be what's right for somebody else, but with your situation, with everything that was going on and thinking about, I mean, you just gave two, what you probably felt were like little, you know, examples of the side effects from these drugs. It's probably not something that you talk about very often because I think that you're really strong and it's just, you, you do it and you get it done. But looking in on it from the outside, I can't even imagine your liver failing, you know, going into feeling (laughs) that comfort, you know, and then having the mouth sores and all of that. And I'm really grateful that you had that clarity of mine to see, do you know what? I felt really good when I wasn't taking any medicine and to know that heavenly father gave you that tender mercy of, do you know what, Dina? It's okay. It's okay to be done. And you and I were talking and that was over a year ago. So tell me how your year has been since you made that decision. It's been amazing. (laughs) It's been absolutely amazing. Um, Oh, immediately after I stopped. Um, I got healthier. I mean, I, my, 
I could breathe. I mean, it was just crazy. I could breathe better. I could had more stamina. I had more, my mood was better all the time. And, and I was just happy. I mean, really, truly happy. And I hadn't been that in such a long time. And it was so great because when people would ask me how I'm doing, they were so used to me going, eh, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I could tell them I'm doing great. Wow. And I know that made a lot of people happy when I said that because they, they've expressed they're like, Whoa, we weren't expecting that answer, you know? And, yeah. um, cause I really was, I was doing so well. And, um, Oh, it was such a, it's been such a happy year, such a happy year. Um, we were able to go on little family vacations and, and just do things to make memories. And, but it was also, um, it was also a time of real growth um, because in terms of me and my relationships with Casey and the boys, I mean, if you can imagine it, it <laughs> things have been really hard. And um, I learned, and there were some times in there that, you know, and since I was free of one burden, it was like, Heavenly Father was like, okay, now that you're good, physically i'm just gonna shower you with mental problems oh, no i'm just kidding it wasn't no, that bad but <laughs> it wasn't that bad but um it also i guess you could say that now that i can look back on it it was a time for me um to get to get better mentally because um you know i i know that people have different views on death and they have different views on everyone feels differently about it for sure um, and so I, I don't say it lightly when I say, I know that I went through that time of mental preparedness because I needed to get ready, you know, to go from this life to the next. Yeah. And, um, there were things that I, I needed to get square with people with, you know, with family members, with, um, friends, with my husband, things that I needed to work on. So, um, and things that I needed to almost find closure for. And so, and that I couldn't have done that without the help of the church or my ward or my parents or my awesome, amazing husband. Um, to be honest, I went through a really hard time of, I was bitter, yeah. really, really bitter about everything. Um, I was, cause it was almost like I, I, I became free of all that, that pain and, and sickness. And it was almost like, um, I feel so great. And this is how life can really be. How come I wasn't like this all the time, you know? And then it made me start thinking of what could have been, what, how could, what would my life would have been like had I not been sick? And I, and you can't dwell on that. Yeah. You can't, you cannot dwell on that. And, um, a dear, dear young woman leader of mine when I was younger, she, um, in the past year, she um, got sick with lung cancer, and I went to go see her when I was bitter, <laughs> when I was going through my bitter period, yeah. and um, and she said, Tina, you just have to focus on gratitude. She goes, everything is about gratitude. Every, everything is about it. If you're living a gratitude filled life, you're living life. And that, and I've found that to be very true. 
I think that's amazing. I think that's a wonderful lesson. Um, I do want to mention, I'm sure that you've heard of the stages of grief, right? Actually, it's so funny. I have my little paper here because I wanted to talk about how amazing they are. But anyway, <laughs> so because you know what your bitter period is, right? I oh, mean, that's, yeah. a stage, oh, yeah. that's a stage of grief and that's, that's mm -hmm. a very, very natural thing. And, um, I think, you know, I think your whole story screams stages of grief and, and just being natural and, um, the times that you're hard on yourself or the times that you're human. And yeah. I don't think heavenly father, in, in fact, I know heavenly father doesn't expect any of us to be perfect because if he expected us to be perfect, then he wouldn't have sent his son yeah, to exactly. die for our sins. And he did send him because he knew that none of us can be perfect. And um, there are so many wonderful things that we can learn, but it's okay to sometimes be mad. I think, I think anybody would and understand my husband, that. My husband <laughs> says it the best. He says that the stages of grief are basically just showing us that we're normal, Yeah, that we're normal and that we, sh we can feel these things and just be okay. And we could be okay. Yeah. So I hope it's okay if I ask this, but tell me, tell me about things right now. How are you physically? How are you mentally? And how are you spiritually? And where do you go from here? Well, um, I, you, I know you won't think this has anything to do with things, but um, my beloved, I mean, I loved him so much. Um, my father-in-law, um, he was a victim of COVID, unfortunately. Oh no. And he, um, he passed away just a little over like a month and a half ago, I think. Or has it been? Oh, anyway. And so, um, the stages of grief have come back into my life yeah. and I've been learning a lot about death and I've been learning a lot about the spirit world. Thanks to Casey. Again, my husband, he, if he, when he has a problem, he researches, he wants to, mm -hmm. he just researches the, researches the heck out of a, of a subject just to help him cope. And that's what yeah. he's done. And so we've together, him and I have learned a lot about what's going to happen um, to me, um, which is I'm going to die. Um, and things have started to kind of point in that direction um, that it might be coming maybe sooner than we think. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been having, um, well, I've been having lots of pain, obviously. Um, my tumors now rub against my chest cavity. And so they just, every time I move, they hurt. And every time I breathe, they hurt. And so I've been dealing with that. But then I've also been having a pain um, in my throat. And after some tests, we fig they figured out that my tumors are pushing on my esophagus. Oh, shoot. And they're it's starting to close. And so... Um, I have to go on a, a liquid diet basically yeah. and because food can't travel down there anymore. Solid food can't. And so, um, and then eventually in the next couple of months, I'll have to have a long tube put in my throat to keep it open. Mm. And then after that, um, I have to have a feeding tube and that will be, that, that will greatly diminish my life. Um, and then also I can't walk around anymore very well. So I have this awesome red walker now <laughs> with wheels on it and even has a basket. How cool is that? Oh, does it have a bell? No, but ooh, maybe you I could might give have me to one. Get you a bell. <laughs> yep. <laughs> get out of my way. Get out of my way. <laughs> anyway, so like last weekend was my son's football tournament and 
seven on seven tournament and I got to take it with me. And I was grateful for it because I'm still able to go to the field. And that's so important to me. So life is starting to show different signs that I, because I, I've, been, I've been able to maintain my life and do whatever the heck I want. Not everything, but most things yeah. <laughs> with my, just myself. So now I'm starting to rely upon other things and people more and um, to get me around and stuff. So, so life's, it's getting harder and it's, to be honest, I'm really scared. Yeah. I'm really scared. I don't know. I just don't know, know a lot of things, but I'm also scared of the pain. I'm scared of what my life will be like in the coming months. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, it's really been a That's test. understandable. Yeah, it's been a test of faith for sure. So as we end this interview, um, you've talked about a few different strategies of how you've been able to get through your hard things. One thing that you really talked about was being grateful, um, no matter what in all of your circumstances. I think another thing that you've definitely shown is, um, just being strong and just, you know, keep, keep fighting. And sometimes, sometimes that keep fighting is the decision that, um, in order to fight for your family, you need to say no more meds. And I don't think that that's giving up. That's, that was you still fighting. So I hope that you realize that, but is there any, like one last piece of advice? If you had, if somebody's listening to this and they're going through a difficult time, or maybe, maybe they're going through cancer, maybe they've been given a terminal diagnosis. Do you have anything kind of an advice for people listening to this? Um, I guess, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to, I had this open just because it's, this is what has meant the world to me. And it's the scripture, the scripture in the book of Mormon, which is our faith's primary source of inspiration, um, with the Bible, along with the Bible. So I read, I read this constantly. I should have it memorized by now and I probably do, but I have such chemo brain that I can't remember anything. But, um, so in second Nephi, um, chapter 31 verse 20 it just says and this is what i want my last thought for to this podcast to be because this is honestly exactly what you need to do to get through hard things whether it's cancer whether it's you know a, 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 a difficult time that you're having anything this is what you need to do wherefore you must press forward with a steadfastness in christ having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. Um, love all people, and that includes yourself. Um, and if people who know me know that that's a hard one for me. But, um, yeah, just feast on the words of Christ and just be him. Try and be him and emulate him. And that's the way you get through it all. That's the way you get through it all. But anyway. Thank you so much for sharing. If there's anybody that was touched by your story, 
Um, could they maybe, is there maybe an email that they could contact you if they feel like they either want to talk to you or if they want to share their story with you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so it's me and my husband's name. So it's just, um, capital K or not capital doesn't matter, but K and a C. So just a KC and then the word and A N D and then T I N A, my name. So KC and Tina at hotmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you all for being here with us today on Maya light in the darkness podcast. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe to my channels and you're always welcome to join our community. I'd love to hear your story too. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at a light in the darkness. And you can always find me at carlyrobison.org. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. I want to give a special thanks to my son Carter for recording and writing our intro and outro music for this podcast. If you want to hear more of his music, you can find him on Instagram at carterguitar456.